Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. You're joined by Kirk Henderson and tonight guest Luke Askew, contributing staff writer to Mavs Moneyball. How are you, Luke? I'm doing great. Fantastic. You know why we're fantastic, guys? Because Rick Carlisle challenged a call down 22 in the fourth quarter, and we decided we were going to start the podcast before the game ends. Uh, Currently, the Mavs are up 17 with about four and a half minutes left, and maybe the game will tighten up in some way, shape, or form, and we'll have to re-record this podcast. But all of the particulars were out of, uh, you know, the the normal starters were out of the game, and I really wasn't interested in Marquise Chris minutes. So we thought we'd start early. So, um this game was one that was remarkably close for the first half. And then Luca got angry at the end of the first half and precise and closed the door. The Mavericks were up uh, 72 to 60. And then the third quarter, I was putting my kid to bed. Luke, what the hell happened in the third? I came down and the Mavs were up by a billion. Oh my gosh. Luca was going crazy. He was Luca felt like he was playing against traffic cones tonight. Honestly, I think (laughs) It was like, I it was one of the most dominant, and it, it's the the twenty eight eleven and six that he put up is almost not representative of how well he played. I thought mm-hmm. um, he was controlling everything. He was playing at his own pace. I actually, uh, so I I kind of the second quarter I was a little delayed. I was behind. I had to pause the game and I was trying to catch up. And I got the halftime score on my phone, and. I think the Mavs had like mid fifties points with like two and a half, three minutes left. And the halftime notification said that we had 72. And I was like, how the hell do we get to 72 (laughs) in like two minutes? I was like, that has to be a a typo from like bleacher report or something. And sure enough, Reggie got hot. Luca made that corner three. It was fun. You're right. I wasn't even paying attention to that because like I was on the phone with my parents over FaceTime and it was, 53 to 50 with 427 left and then the Mavericks scored 19 points over the next four and a half minutes and the Pacers scored 10 and I mean it was this is going to be one of these games where the the final box score at least I'm going to guess doesn't really can share how dominant the Mavs were for stretches like honestly I was tweeting the group or I was uh, slacking our, our Moneyball Slack saying, so this is why I don't really buy the Mavericks defense because the Pacers still scored 60 points at the half and, yeah. it, and it looked kind of, it looked easy. Um, there were a couple of guys that got hot. I'm gonna, let me go check out box score because there are a couple of Pacers who was just, oh, the, the Washington Jr. guy, Dwayne Washington Jr., who averages 8.1 points, had 10 points in the first quarter for the Pacers and it was like oh this is going to be one of those games a Mavs all-star type performance um yeah but it it was it was it was an odd game just because it it, you know we've not really hit on the news piece yet of of the game which I'll, I'll let you break that news but the 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 Mavericks were I don't know. They were scoring easily. It was like it, it very much felt like kind of a like a, a an offensive game from last season where they just weren't able to stop anyone. But then, you know, like third quarter, clearly they clamped down enough to just, you know, really give it to give it to the Pacers. So, yeah. And the, I mean, the Pacers are going to end with I mean, they have 100 with three minutes left, so they'll probably I don't know, the 105 to 110 range, maybe. And it's fine. It's whatever. But it's it's a Pacers team that's without like three of their best players. It's, it's underwhelming to me. I thought, um, I guess I'll, I'll break that the news like you were talking about. Um, 
uh, I'm guessing the news break we're we're talking about is um, that Rick Carlisle has emotions. Oh well, that's uh, one. Um, no, then there's the, the fact no, that I don't, this I'm isn't coming. Rick Carlisle I'm, emotions yeah. are a thing that we're well, well. Let's just chat about that for a second because okay. everybody will know about the Porzingis news. But like Carlisle crying in the pregame thing was legitimately moving, and I was mad at him because yeah, I've the stuff that I've I've heard about from him. Uh, about him from Mavs people it's kind of alarming like it really made me not like him very much as a person and then for him mm-hmm. to like be openly crying I was like this fucking guy and the the video was incredible really good work by the Mavericks I, I you know he, he's probably the coach that you've known the longest during your Mavs absolutely yeah so what, what did you think about it it was so I actually I didn't see the video I took um I took my dog out right before the game started um and i came back in i I only caught the last two minutes i'm gonna go find yep so i i came back in like i i caught the last like 10 seconds i came in right as the video was ending and i looked up and i was like wait is rick crying i was like (laughs) what is going i was like what did i what did they play in the video like i wasn't sure if it was like the sarah mclaughlin like dog commercial (laughs) or if it was actually like (laughs) Yeah, or if it was actually like a Rick Carlisle tribute, because I just, I, I was expecting it to be Monday, and I was expecting Rick to come out and be like kind of a curmudgeon about the whole thing. I don't know, um, but I was, I was genuinely shocked. It and it, I kind of had the same take as you. Like I've, I've grown frustrated with him about all the stuff that's come out and stuff like that, and I was kind of like, I can't believe this guy's crying right now, but. Um, yeah, I was. It, it was shocking to me, honestly. That was probably the biggest takeaway of the game for me. Yeah. Well, and then the other piece of news, which Porzingis left at some point. I honestly don't remember. Um, the the twenty twenty two Chris Stapps Porzingis season is going to be a lot of. Ugh. He came out and had an incredible first move and dunk, and then I don't remember anything he did. Um, yeah. They they say it's knee soreness. We don't know which knee. I have to assume. Actually, it doesn't really matter. Knee soreness generally is a symptom of something. It is not a descriptive injury. And so it's the sort of thing where um, I think in the short term, we're all just going to kind of roll our eyes and hope he gets better because the Mavericks have a relatively straightforward and simple schedule over the next several weeks. Long term, this is why a lot of people just don't want him on the team anymore because his body type and it is just – He's going to get injured. Seven foot three people get injured playing a contact sport. And it's not his fault. He has, you know, our guy uh, Jordan was was doing some kind of research. And if you back out the games, like the back-to-back games, like the most number of games he's played in a row this year is eight. Um, and mm-hmm. it's it's just not, it's not who he is. And it's unfortunate. He's never going to live up to the billing that, that he sort of probably set for himself. But now I think, you know, I'm not really bummed about the in- injury because I'm sure the Mavericks will manage it appropriately. And until it's something like definitive, you just kind of got to play the wait and see game and hope that that he's in a good place for the playoffs because, you know, maybe the Mavericks will catch fire the way the Clippers did and just shoot the hell out of the ball for, you know, a month and the Mavericks win a championship. Mm-hmm. Like I could see that happening and Porzingis would need to be a part of that. So what do you, what do you think about kind of the injury and what's kind of your, your long-term take with Porzingis? So I kind of had the same, the same feeling where short term, I'm not worried about it at all. It's whatever. Maybe he'll miss tomorrow's game. Probably will. They play the magic and on a back to back. And 
and I like maybe he'll miss a couple games. I don't know. He's gonna he's gonna be fine. Like he's gonna come back. It's not like he tore his ACL or something. Right. Um, the scariest part to me is long term and what that means. Um, and just kind of the way the injury unfolded, at least how it seemed from just watching it on TV. It seemed like I think it was early second quarter and it seemed like they just subbed him out and then he never came back. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. the Mavs PR notice came in, Chris Stapps out for the game. So it's honestly the way it went down is a little concerning to me because, and that's what's frustrating as a fan is because like it doesn't, it didn't happen on a play. There's no like thing you can point to and be like there, that's how it happened. It's just how one of those it, things where it, go ahead. It, it, but it just, it just feels like it feels like at any given moment, you can just get a notification on your phone that says Chris Stapps is out for the game and have mm-hmm. no idea it's coming. And it's a bummer and it's an unsettling feeling. It doesn't make me feel good heading into any playoff series where, where it can be, you know, maybe, maybe we're up two Oh in a series and then I'm like, okay, but is Chris Stapps going to be out the next game? Like, I don't yep. know. And that's, that's what's concerning to me. And it, like you said, it's not his fault, but it is, frustrating you know it makes me wonder if the knee just wasn't feeling right the entire game somebody just sent me a tweet where it's like he looked like shit on defense the entire game Uh, and he did and he's been a big part of the mavericks um defensive you know scheming because it's he's the when he's the last line of defense instead of the first line of defense it's pretty effective and you know sabonis is sort of a tough guy to to gauge that stuff against because he's so crafty around the rim but I, I just thought that was an interesting uh, a point from from one of my Twitter followers that he just really didn't look good the entire time on defense, and it's like, okay, well, we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna get him out and maybe see how things go because you know you you got to get to All Star break, which let's just look at the calendar here because I, I I've been so focused on January because this was this was their fourth back to back in January and for all four of them came in the last like 20 days of the month. So it's been kind of chaotic, at least for us in terms of covering these games. So the all-star break looks like uh, the last game they play is Thursday, February 17th. And then they basically have eight games off between uh, or eight days off between games between that point And now they play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine games. So, and a lot of these games are actually winnable contests you know you got orlando oklahoma city who is shutting down sga which i think is interesting the the sixers game might be a schedule loss but the sixers are just really good um atlanta rematch there's a couple of clippers games like the mavericks could really coast into all-star break with or without porzingis so it's 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 kind of an interesting conundrum where though i i suspect he'll probably miss at least three four five games yeah i'm that's that's probably that that feels like how they'll manage it and that's probably the smart way to manage it um because i think especially now that things are turning have turned around in the short term now we're kind of back as a fan base to the long-term goals again yep. um less we're less worried on the day in winning and you know how are we going to beat the pacers on any given night like we're kind of just past i feel like we're we got over that hurdle for the season mm-hmm. um and now we are looking to the long term and that that is like you said that's it's the best way to manage it it's it's the safe approach it's just the frustrating one and that's what sure. makes um that's what makes it tempting to 
to want to have trade discussions about him. Oh, exactly. And you just can't do it. Well, I really think that that point about pivoting to the long-term thought is really good in that something happened in tonight's game that was frankly something I've been waiting for for the entire year. And it was the explosion from Reggie Bullock, who mm-hmm. was 8 of 11 from the floor in 24 minutes. He hit six threes for a season high 23 points and was doing the kind of stuff that when you watch like the Reggie Bullock highlight tapes from last year, I mean, the Knicks were obviously not exactly a high flying offense, but like the release points and like the way the ball went down and the confidence in the shooting, like that was what we've envisioned going back to, to July or August, whenever the hell the off season was. And so it's, that's sort of like one of the long-term questions that if Bullock can return to any semblance of what he was by the second half last year with the Knicks with Tim Hardaway Jr. Going down, it raises my floor for these Mavericks. If Bullock is going to play well, cause he's just been a non-factor this season. Yeah. So I, like you said, Reggie was great. Um, and it, it was the confidence. It was the way he looked shooting the ball. Um, he took a couple off the dribble that I liked. He got to the rim. Um, Reggie, like this was the Reggie we've been waiting for and he's not going to go, five of seven or whatever he was from the three internet connection issues because luca was incredible at getting into the paint uh scoring enough for himself so the defense had to respect it and then finding the shooters and this was just a peek into what the future can look like when guys like reggie are actually stepping up and hitting shots one of my favorite ones was you know marquise chris finally played a few minutes and he got like a long, like like ugly rebound, and sort of did like an underhanded pitch pass to Bullock at at like just above the break for a buried three. And man, I just like I it felt like pickup basketball to a degree, like mm-hmm. really fun pickup basketball. And so it's just I don't know, it's it's one of those games that I'm gonna really like kind of tuck in the back of my mind because the Pacers stink, but the ability to beat the crap out of a out of a bad team is something this Mavericks this Maverick squad could not do last year. Like they always played down to their opponents. And so they finally finished. It's 132 to 105. So a a nice 27 point, if if my math is correct, victory is a is a nice way to to send us on our Saturday night. Well, guys, it seems that uh, Luke and I are having some hilarious technical difficulties, but it's Saturday. The Mavs play again tomorrow. They go ahead and face off against uh the 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 magic at 6 p.m central time which will be a nice uh nice game just to see if the mavericks can can continue to work on some things offensively the uh the magic play kind of a a grindy style of basketball but are lit they've literally won 10 games so unless things go absolutely belly up this should be kind of a nice way to close off your weekend um josh and i'll be back probably doing that one and then there will be a group therapy after that game. I'm not going to do one tonight just because there's not really much to talk about. A great win is a great win. So thanks so much for hanging out with us. Um, this has been Kirk Henderson and Luke every now and again. So I apologize for some of the technical difficulties. Maybe the audio is probably not going to be the greatest during this podcast, but that's okay. Everybody enjoy your Sunday and we will talk soon.